0: Welcome, it's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. My contributor, none other than Ben Carollo, host of Galaxy Brain. And she streams on Twitch as Bleep Blop. Ben, writer, TYT contributor, should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, I had an exclusive interview today. I spoke directly to Senator Raphael Warnock. He responded exclusively to Herschel Walker, his political opponent, calling him a coward. Here's his response. Senator, you and I go way back. Man, we've been friends for a long time, and I've seen your heart of service displayed in public and private ways. Very thankful for your leadership. Thank you. And I'm thankful Thank you. that you're serving the state of Georgia. I gotta ask you about Herschel Walker. When I do the aggregate count, of the last, let's say, six to seven polls, it shows you with a slight lead. However, in the most recent poll from Emerson, it shows Herschel Walker with a two-point advantage. Now, remember, polls are not predictions, but they are snapshots. Let's talk about his unwillingness to debate you, but him calling you a coward, saying that you are ducking his debate schedule. Please explain this to us. Unpack that for us. Here is the
1: thing, right? Uh, I I think I I heard my opponent say that he would debate me anytime. These were his words. Yeah, anytime, anywhere, and I guess he meant that until I accepted three debates. (laughs) I let's be really clear, and let's so that folks are clear about the record here. He said he'd debate me anytime, anywhere. I accepted three debates. One in Atlanta, one in Macon, one in Savannah. Then he said he wasn't willing to show up for the debates that I agreed to after saying he'd debate me anytime, anywhere. Listen, the people of Georgia deserve better than that. They deserve to hear his plan and my plan for the people of Georgia. And at the end of the day, this race is about who's ready. Who's ready? Uh, to represent the people of Georgia in the United States Senate.
0: Translation, Senator Warnock says about Herschel Walker, him scared. Okay, let me give you the background. Uh, Senatorial candidate Herschel Walker, who by the way, is leading by two points in the latest poll Emerson poll. Branded Democratic rival Senator Raphael Warnock as a scaredy cat has said other things on the record. As a row of debates, row over debates intensifies between the rivals in Georgia. Walker and Warnock have committed to take part in rival debates ahead of November's Senate election, but have yet to confirm a face-to-face confrontation. Speaking to a local network, WMGT, Walker said, and I quote, I'm not going to hide like Senator Warnock. And what I'd say to Senator Warnock is, where you at, scaredy cat? Debate me, October 14th, Savannah, Georgia, in front of an audience and let's let the people see. Okay, does it surprise anyone that Herschel Walker uses the terminology scaredy cat? Does that surprise anybody? There's more, in May, Walker, Herschel Walker, told the ledger uh, inquirer that his Democratic rival could, and I quote, pick the time and place for a debate, just as Senator Warnock said. The following month, Warnock picked time and place. He confirmed he would be taking part in three debates with Walker at WTOC TV in Savannah, the Atlanta Press Club, and a conglomerate of news organizations in Macon, which is located in central Georgia. Yeah, Herschel Walker said, I would debate you anytime you Senator Warnock then agrees to three different debates throughout the entire state of Georgia, just in case transportation was an issue for Herschel Walker. He could make it to at least one of those debates. Herschel Walker has decided not to go to any of them. Here's what's fascinating. Ladies and gentlemen, Herschel Walker could still win this election. While the majority of polling leading up to this moment shows Senator Ward knocking the lead, he's in the lead within the margin of error. The most recent poll has Herschel Walker, a man that lacks capacity to govern and integrity to lead. It shows Herschel Walker has now taken the lead in the most recent polling data. That is a problem. Now. I don't besmirch Herschel Walker because of his intellectual inability. That's not it, it's because he's willing to carry the water of white supremacist. He's willing to promote a model of democracy or a model of politics that's adversarial to communities that I love. And he is in fact a bloviating idiot, yeah, all right. You've heard it directly from Senator Warnock, he laughed at the idea that somehow he was a coward or scaredy cat running away from a debate with Herschel Walker. All right, Ben, thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean,
2: really, I guess at the end of the day with Herschel Walker, it's probably a smart strategy because let's be real, let's be real. I don't think his team wants him to debate. I don't think his team wants him to debate at all because what he definitely doesn't want is a direct personal confrontation about his obvious inability to just be like a decent person with like integrity and honesty. He doesn't want his integrity to be challenged face to face. And I don't think his team wants that either. In fact, I think last time I was on, we were covering a story about his team actively not trusting him and Herschel Walker lying to his own campaign team. So this whole cry bully tactic of saying, "Oh no, I'm not going to show up to the debate, but also you're too scared to debate me. I think it's just emblematic of Herschel Walker having no faith in himself to be able to govern and his campaign team not having any faith in his ability to govern. And I think that really just speaks to the shamelessness of where the Republicans more broadly are that they're willing to put forward such a shameless candidate.
0: Yeah, and let's not forget Herschel Walker has lied about being a police officer. He lied about being an FBI agent. He lied about graduating top of class out of high school. He lied about graduating at all from college. He lied about his major that he majored in and graduated. He lied about it all, but he is still highly competitive and currently in the lead based on recent polling out of the state of Georgia. Okay. Very interesting, Sarah Palin, the ice queen has lost her election. Yes, she was running for Congress, she has lost. Well, let's put up the picture of the woman she lost to. Democrat Mary Peltola won the special election to fill Alaska's house seat for the remainder of 2022. According to unofficial results released by the Alaska Division of Elections, halting former governor Sarah Palin's bid at a political comeback. Really interesting here, let me put up a picture of Sarah Palin. So Palin, who was, as you know, the Republican Party's 2008 vice presidential nominee will get another shot at the house race in a few months. As she and her opponent are among those vying to fill the term. In a separate election in November. It is interesting to note that Sarah Palin is actually blaming the voters for being dumb. I'm going to explain that in a minute. With her victory, talking about the political opponent, Peltola, the former state lawmaker will now flip the seat held for nearly half a century by the GOP, uh, by the late GOP um, representative. Don Young and is set to become the first Alaska native in the United States Congress. Palin criticized what? Ranked choice voting in a statement after the results were released on Wednesday calling it a new crazy convoluted confusing system. Oh, I get it Sarah, Governor Palin, if I may. Uh, you're saying that the voters were just too dumb to figure out how to vote. That explains it all. That's the reason why you did not win the election. Uh, Though we're disappointed in this outcome, Alaskans know I'm the last one who will ever retreat. Instead, I'm going to go reload with optimism that Alaskans learn from this voting system mistake and correct it in the next election. Let's work even harder to send an America first conservative to Washington in November, well, I'll be down. There's an entirely new way to lose. So Trump, who has mastered the, uh, the election must be rigged and they cheated, way to lose, okay? Sarah Palin is coming from a different direction here. She's saying, well, the voting was so complex, And the people of Alaska are obviously so dumb. That combination is the reason why I was not victorious here. All right, Um, in related but unrelated news, John Eastman, as I said and predicted, an attorney who helped craft the illegal plan to create artificial fake Electoral College members has decided to invoke the Fifth Amendment. What is the Fifth Amendment? That's the right against self incrimination. He did this before a Georgia grand jury on Wednesday as the grand jury conducts a wide ranging probe into the 2020 election interference that has now scooped multiple Trump associates advisors and attorneys. Now remember, They're all part of the same movement. These are conservatives. Sarah Palin, once governor, could not even win a congressional seat. The seat has now flipped for the first time in decades because Sarah Palin is part of a losing team. Also, Eastman, the attorney, as I said weeks ago, he's the guy, in my conclusion, he's the guy who actually coordinated the massively illegal scheme to create fake electors. Have them sign an affidavit with the help of Giuliani who was a catalyst for this illegal program. Submit that affidavit or those affidavits directly to Washington. They wanted Mike Pence to certify the fake electors. Now there's a difference between fake electors and feckless electors. A feckless elector is a legitimate elector who decides to go against the activation of their political party. That's what a feckless elector is, that is legal. However, it could have a civil penalty. A fake elector is when you lie on an affidavit and say you are in fact a legitimate elector and you have now thus created a criminal element against yourself. All right, Ben, thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, so Sarah Palin's theory is that a more democratic system is too confusing for the (laughs) voters of Alaska. Um, I have a different theory and this theory is that Republican candidates don't have a very high resale value, which is to say, Republicans are mostly organized around hating Democrats, right? And hating well, I mean, let's be clear. Like they hate a lot of folks, right? Like you you named a laundry list of bigotries that, you know, Republicans hold with them and those are the people that Republicans hate. They don't really like their candidates, right? Just like George Bush, right? When George Bush was no longer in office, everybody kind of stopped pretending that he was some sort of genius, right? And it's the same story with Sarah Palin. It turns out that when a lot of these Republican candidates lose, they're kind of just gone forever, aside from like the lobbyist circuit, because Republicans don't even like their own candidates. They don't even like what their own politicians do. In their own states just look at a republican in a red state and i bet they'll tell you about how terrible everything is they just like to blame it on people like joe biden and so really what sarah palin is realizing is that her career has been over for years and years now and is sort of refusing to accept that the voters never really liked you sarah right the voters never really liked you sarah they just hated the democrats and and that really is i think just I think a critical component of American politics that more people
0: need to understand. That's right, very well said. All right, we have a tragedy, we have a tragedy in Mississippi. Mississippi by way of a city known as Jackson, majority African American city, they don't have clean drinking water. They cannot brush their teeth. They cannot take showers. Many of them are unable to flush their own toilets because of a lack of water pressure. Let me give you the background to this. Governor Tate Reeves issued a statement, here it is.
3: At the end of last week, I was briefed by the state health department on the discovery that Jackson's main water treatment facility has been operating with zero redundancies. The main pumps had recently been damaged severely, about the same time as the prolonged boil water notice began, and the facility was now operating on smaller backup pumps. Unfortunately, that failure appears to have begun today. This is a very different situation from a boil water notice, which is also a serious situation which residents of Jackson have become tragically numb to. Until it is fixed, it means we do not have reliable running water at scale. It means the city cannot produce enough water to fight fires, to reliably flush toilets, and to meet other critical needs. The Mississippi Emergency Management Agency will take the state's lead on distributing drinking water and non-drinking water to residents of the city of Jackson. Replacing our largest city's infrastructure of running water with human distribution is a massively complicated logistical task. We need to provide it for up to 180,000 people for an unknown period of time.
0: Okay, let me say this. I got more video. There are a group, there's a group right now. College students, Morris Brown College, Spelman College. I'm working with this group of students, we're sending truckloads, truckloads of water to Jackson, Mississippi. We're doing that right now. The governor is doing the same thing. You see, I don't have the resources to fix the actual problem, but the governor does. So let's talk about actual solution rather than a bandaid as remedy. There's more video, here it is.
3: The state has created an incident command structure and is surging our resources to the city's water treatment facility and beginning emergency maintenance, repairs, and improvements. We will do everything in our power to restore water pressure and get water flowing back to the people of Jackson. We will cash flow the operation, and the city will be responsible for half of the cost of the emergency improvements that we make. I want to make something very clear to those operators we have been and will be reaching out to. You will be paid for your work. The state is owning that guarantee. Please stay safe. Do not drink the water. In too many cases, it is raw water from the reservoir being pushed through the pipes. Be smart. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Preserve water And look out for your fellow man and look out for your neighbors.
0: Let me highlight OB Curtis water treatment plant there at the center of this debacle. Let's put up a picture of the governor, got some words for you Governor Reeves. It's worth noting, following your press conference. You said you were briefed on this last week. You actually pledged to fix this in early 2021. Did you think? We forgot about your statements on the record in early 2021. Jackson's water system has faced problems for a very long time. Now, before I get into the background of this, let me explain that this is a combination of a few elements. Number one, divestment leaving, communities leaving, economics leaving Jackson, Mississippi. 180,000 plus residents, majority African American city. When have you known things like this to happen to cities that were majority white and affluent? It doesn't. It happens to cities that are majority African American, typically, and 100% majority not affluent, not economically rich, not wealthy. There's more. Following a month without clean water, drinkable water. Jackson is now mostly lost water pressure. Let me pause on this for a moment, you have multiple problems. One, you can't drink the damn water, that's one. Two, the water pressure is gone, you can't even flush the damn toilet. That is the existence of over 100,000 black folk in Jackson Mississippi right now. With operational collapses at OB Curtis. Reducing the flow of water through the city's distribution system to the degree that residences and businesses across the city have little or no water at all. What's the cause and effect relationship? All of these businesses will have to either restrict services or close down completely. Where are the let's make business work Republicans? Mm -hmm. Right now, a lack of visibility at OB Curtis has Mississippi State Department of Health leadership unable to answer how much water is currently flowing out of the plant and into Jackson Pipes. Additionally, while the city highlighted the potential flooding of structures at OB Curtis due to the high crest of the Pearl River over the weekend. Officials have yet to firmly establish the direct causes of the plant failures at the water treatment plant, whatever the cause. Governor Reeves said the state will be intervening to prop up the water plant on the brink. Operational failures at OB Curtis are downstream from the facility's most pressing issue. A near complete lack of qualified personnel. Class A water operations and regular maintenance staff are sorely needed at OB Curtis, the governor said. The, uh, that the state would be acquiring the operators necessary and would split the cost with the city of Jackson. Now, let me show you how much non cooperation has taken place between this governor and the mayor, put up a picture of the mayor, okay? Young, energetic, charismatic, progressive mayor, okay? The governor did not invite Mayor Lumumba, to the emergency press conference, nor has the governor talked directly to the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi. But the governor did assure the mayor that he has never spoken with, that everything is going to work out. They have accepted the terms to the state and have offered solutions. Meanwhile, city officials are working to distribute bottled water and residents have lost uh, to residents who have lost access. It's unclear how long this will be. It's unclear how long it will take to resolve the issue. On Monday, the mayor of Jackson also declared a state of emergency, stressing that the city was not cutting off water to residents, but acknowledging that a water shortage was likely to last for the next couple of days. There's federal aid in sight. Joe Biden did declare a state of emergency as well. President Biden on Wednesday spoke by phone with the Jackson Mississippi mayor about emergency response efforts to the water crisis in the state's capital. A White House aide said that President Biden phoned the mayor to hear firsthand from the mayor about the urgent situation with access to clean and safe water. Is it not a damn shame that the governor did not make that call first? The two discussed efforts from FEMA, the EPA and other infrastructure development opportunities. An estimated quarter of Jackson residents live in poverty. It's based on on stats we were able to confirm, making the situation all the more critical. President Biden late Tuesday signed an emergency declaration that frees up federal resources to supplement the state's own emergency response. Authorizing FEMA to mobilize equipment and resources to the area. The population is 80 plus percent African American. Now, some people are questioning why are these proclamations of emergency important? Here's why, in order to get significant money from the government, you have to go through what's called a bureaucratic process. Once there is a state of emergency declared, it basically eliminates the majority of those bureaucratic protocols. frees up the opportunity to get that money to those communities quickly. That's why the state of emergency is imperative. All right, Ben, thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, this is
2: one thing that people need to understand about the United States is that it is and always has been a colonial project. There are parts Hmm. of the United States that are treated as generators of wealth. And then there are parts of the United States that are treated as extractors of wealth. This is the reality of our country, that the benefits that people see in rich white suburban neighborhoods are largely the result of extracting wealth and taking funds away from poor black communities across the country. That's something that's critical to understand in this. Another thing that's critical to understand in this is a lot of people will point to the voters in Mississippi and say, oh, you know, this is their fault for voting for Republicans. But we need to understand something about Mississippi. Aside from all of the gerrymandering and voter suppression through the more direct methods, there's also the reality that somewhere around 8% of the entire population of the state is denied the right to vote due to prior felonies me. Uh, Voting laws, And that right there is at the heart of this larger issue of the politicization of the police. The use of the police to suppress the votes of black folks in the state of Mississippi and a handful of other states across the United States. So realistically, there's not really a true democracy in the state of Mississippi that's actually representing the will of the voters. And then of course, you have the racism that exists at the state level and the federal level that has left areas like that categorically neglected when it comes to investments in critical infrastructure. On top of that, you also have the layer of privatization, which is the effort to underfund infrastructure. So that when disasters do happen like this, you have lobbyists that come in and promise privatization as some sort of solution. And we can see how well that worked out just by looking at New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina.
0: That's right. And we have many, many other examples of how privatization hurts communities because companies for profit corporations They have a bottom line monetary agenda. Governments should have a service to community agenda. That's the difference.
4: We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome
0: back, we got a lot of show left. Let me remind you of aspirations, all right? Aspiration, big banks are using your money to invest in fossil fuels political lobbying, private prisons, gun manufacturing to name a few. Uh, in fact, since the Paris Climate Agreement was signed in 2015, big banks have invested in over uh, over 3.8 trillion in fossil fuels. Aspiration is different, they never use your consumer deposits to invest in those projects or other harmful industries, all right? They're a member of the 1% for the planet and commit to donating 10% of pay. What is fair fees? Go to aspiration.com forward slash TYT. Sign up. All right. It's good stuff over there. Okay, let me read some of these comments. Not Dweezel, aka Tail Wagon Dragon. Senator Warnock should get a couple of podiums. Go to Walker in his hometown. Set up in the hall or church. Turn up the cam turn on the cameras and call them out. There it is. Yeah. It will make a hell of a commercial, wouldn't it? All right, let's go to I am Sock. Um, Maybe Mississippi should have spent money on drinking water instead of demonizing the LGBTQ people. Good point. Poet Freach says Herschel's head would explode trying to debate Warnock. Probably literally RJL network member for three months. Thank you so much for being a member of Indisputable. Really appreciate you. Uh, Block Dragon here. Thank you for the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth doctor. Well, we thank you. Iron sharp as iron. Uh, Trenda Cooper, thank you so much, Trenda. We appreciate you joining. Uh, Gabby Mathis, a member for three months, thank you for that. Uh, Gabby says, in the richest country, not being able to flush the toilet sounds more like a third world country. Yep, it does, doesn't it? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. you Karen
4: Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in- Sunday? You must feel the- great. Right, back off. I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening right my life. Alright, you okay, going to kick me out. Why? Sir. For all these sir, come grab me a bag. That's <laughs> one of these. I don't know, it's one of these. Let's search. let Let's get the right, bag. Alright, sir. Grab me bag. Totally, the, the Swedish man bag. What do you want? What do you want? For you to grab your what bag. So you That's a black, black bag. bag. A black bag. Yeah, obviously I'm a white male that picked the black bag because I'm racist.
0: I have more video. According to the person who posted this, this particular male, Karen, decided to use homophobic slurs, racial slurs, or racist slurs. I thought it was interesting when he said, "Yeah, I have a black bag," and obviously, because I have a black bag, that you know, that that means I'm not racist or whatever the hell he was saying. It was really interesting because somehow that connects. To him, there's more video. Here it is. This one's our
4: Swedish. I know, it's it's the folding, the folding, the Swedish. It's a better bag than most y'all can <laughs> <y'all's laughs> afford. That's oh the, oh. the Swedish-made bag. You want to kick me off the plane? The folding, y'all. That is the only bag you have. This is the bag. Me, no, respect, you know, the planes, I'll get off the plane with you liberal. <laughs> I hope all you liberal <laughs> crash the plane. You <laughs> crash the <laughs> <you laughs> <crash laughs> plane. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chemical engineer. I work for Laxo Smith Klein. I work for Laxo Smith Klein. out the quick job this week. Reach out to the company. One of the fifth Just companies in the, in the world.
0: Okay, let's do it, let's put this picture up full mass here. Um, According to the Reddit user, this particular male Karen was on an American Airlines flight uh, that was going from Philadelphia to Dallas. All right, Um, we got the picture. Okay, so this person was using words that were Racist, bigoted, according to the Reddit user. The male Karen that you see also proudly told everyone that he is a chemical engineer for GlaxoSmithKline, claiming that he is actually quitting his job next week. The Reddit user also mentioned in their post, and I quote, I didn't manage to start recording early enough to catch his usage of the N-word towards the flight attendants. But it was over and over and very loud. The crew handled the situation phenomenally well, the crew was fantastic. And I gotta say, we sometimes forget that typically when the recording starts with one of these Karens, it's because the most aggressive offense has already taken place. So they start recording and in the recording you get more ridiculous and insane behavior. Uh, Interesting. We don't have right now any commentary from the airlines, uh, but we do have what we have. All right, Ben, thoughts on this? I just like, I can't get over how, like, he feels the need
2: to, like, tell on himself like this. Like, that's what's so wild. Like, why do these racists always tell on themselves? Because, especially, like, and he seemed really defensive. He's like, I'm not racist. I'm not, like, come on, buddy. Come on. Right. Like, I don't need, like, I don't know what precipitated this. If somebody said something that implied that he might be racist, like, obviously, he was saying the N word before, like, so, like, it seems pretty clear at that point, but like, and then, like, saying his employer, like, I just don't understand what these people think they're gonna get out of these situations. What do they just wanna be the main character of the internet for a day? Is that really, like, (laughs) worth losing your job and, like, everybody around you losing respect for you for being, like, such an obvious racist? Like, Come on, like, come on. Like, I just I really don't understand what's going on in the minds of these people.
0: Yeah. Um, he's um he's not racist because his carry-on luggage is black. <laughs> okay, alright, I got something for everybody, all right? Double dose.
3: You wanna call the police on him
4: for having a barbecue on a you Sunday? Know. You're and there's an African-American man
1: threatening my life. Quick backstory, the neighbor recording is fussing with the neighbor you're about to see because the neighbor you're about to see doesn't like where the city puts the trash when they
3: finish dumping it, okay? Enjoy.
4: I can't control where the city puts in it's trash. How about that? I got that on recording too. Sure did. (laughs) Really? I did. <laughs> how about that? I got that on recording too. Hold on, just watch this. Sure did. Watch this, watch her phone. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, be right
1: back. <laughs> First of all, you cannot say how about this and then push a trash can away too hard. It's like she never touched a trash can before. <laughs> Second of all, that squeak was hilarious. She's, <laughs> That's what you get for being ugly. And I don't mean the way you look. I mean the way you act. You did all that and now you done <laughs> scraped your knee up. You're frustrated, you're embarrassed. The trash can embarrassed you. What's going on in Dallas? I don't know what part of Dallas is. I ain't never seen this part of Dallas. This ain't in Debellum. Bellum got them good restaurants and bars. I don't know what it is.
0: Comedian Kev on stage is having too much damn fun. Uh, big ups to Kev on stage, very funny guy. Okay, let's analyze this, very simple situation. The city comes, they pick up the trash, they pick up the dumpster, they put it back down. It is not the fault of the resident that the city puts the dumpster, but they put it also. Obviously this Karen did not calculate the fact that if the city just put the trash can back, that means the trash can is empty. Which also means it has a lighter weight to it. You see, it proves the point of the person who said, hey, the city put it there because the assumption is the city has dumped the trash and it is thus a lighter dynamic, you pushed it a little too strong. Now, yes, um, there's a little much there, but you gotta remember that was instant karma. That was instant karma, damn it. Why were you trying to push over somebody's trash? Think about it, what if trash would have been in there? Then that means that the neighbor would have had to clean up a whole bunch of trash in her yard because one Karen, did not like where the city put the trash can. In the future, Karen, simply write a letter to the city, make a complaint directly to the sanitation worker. There are other ways to deal with inconveniences as you now, I think, have learned. Ben, thoughts here.
2: Yeah, I mean this is just one of those things where it's like it's really weird like like I don't understand getting upset about something to like this degree cuz like it happens, right? Like, you know, I remember growing up when I was a kid living in the suburbs. I'm in an apartment now, so I don't have that, you know, particular problem, but they would put the trash can like in the middle of the driveway. And you know what you do? You get out of the car and you you move the trash can. Like And I know this is really wild, but like sometimes in Minnesota it gets really cold and very snowy, and it's very annoying to like walk through the snow to move the trash can. But like it's still, it's like it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Like I don't understand, like why are you, why are you doing this to yourself? And that really just, I don't know. It just goes back to the whole main character character syndrome thing, where like everybody thinks that everybody should constantly be thinking (laughs) about them. Well, they don't think about. (laughs) <laughs> anybody else in the world. I'm
0: sorry, man. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> laughing my ass off. Put that picture back up again. It's too damn funny. Damn that. I know we're on TV, but this is funny as hell. Put that picture back up of the moment when she realized I should have made a better life decision. Put that picture up. See, it was it was right about this moment. Okay. She knew. Yeah. And yes, Kev on stage is having way too much damn fun, but it's cool though. I understand, I was trying to hold it in, but you're right. That was funny as hell. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments, all jam! He just got his face, he just got his ass fired from that job. Way to do the research for people who were gonna look up your place of employment though. Um, text stand says, Karen got a physics lesson. Yep, gravity still works. Gucci man and coach thinking he's a boss. <laughs> All right. Oh, I love it. Aunt Tifa. Aunt Tifa says, squeak. See Michael Henson. Thank you, C. Michael. Uh the trash can't dealt, the trash can dealt with the trash of Karen. See what you did there, uh, Grandma Sunshine Dragon. Thank you for being a double doser three months, we we'll appreciate you. I love the Dragon Squad commercial, thank you for showing it Dr. Richie, makes an old dragon feel special. There you go, You're young at heart, I'm sure. Chi Chi Massey, member for three months, thank you Chi Chi. Hey Karen, uh, don't you need cardboard to break dance? All right, and Twitch, uh, Nightmare 316 talking about the Karen, where's Mike Tyson when you need him? Uh, and by the way, Mike Tyson was not charged with a crime for that incident on the airplane, just a note, all right? Okay, horrific story, very horrific. A in An NYPD detective punches a teenager, a teenage woman, here it is.
4: Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you do Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why you you why would you do that, bro? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You me?
0: This teenager looks as if she weighs less than 100 pounds. I have background on the cop, I got background on the person he assaulted. Let's go ahead and put him up, we've identified him. This cop, his name is Kingdo Kinsey was the one who struck the teen during the incident. According to an NYPD spokesperson, this cop has not been disciplined as of Wednesday afternoon. According to the NYPD, the Harlem cops were originally seeking to arrest a man being sought in connection to an attempted murder. The spokesperson said that multiple individuals at the scene of the arrest interfered by assaulting numerous officers, some of whom were arrested. Now. Before I give you additional background to the young lady who was assaulted here. Let's be very clear about what you just saw. You saw an officer engage in extreme physical combat in order to do what? What exactly was he trying to do? Was it to detain a teenager? Well, that means his actions were excessive. I know many will push back and say, well, what does she do? You see, what matters here is that the force against her was not appropriate to whatever engagement she was connected with. That's clear for the record, let's put up her picture. Her name is Tamina Crum. Ms. Crum, a teenager, is the one who was struck by the cop. Following the incident, you know what police did? They charged her with a bunch of charges that have been tossed out. They charged Miss Crom with assaulting an officer, resisting arrest, and obstructing governmental administration. But when she went to Manhattan Criminal Court, you know what the court said? The court said, "No, no, no. That's not what happened here." And she was only arraigned on a misdemeanor, the latter, which was obstructing governmental administration and she was let go without even having to post bail. No bail required after they reviewed the information. But you know what, this cop has a troubling past. Kinsey, the officer who engaged in that assault you just witnessed. Kinsey has worked for the NYPD since 2005. Has a history of six complaints listed in the database by the Citizen Complaint Review Board ranging from the years of 2014 to 2018. That's what we have on the record, okay? They don't have access to all of the complaint file. The Citizen Complaint Review Board is New York City's independent police watchdog organization. Two of those complaints were actually sustained, substantiated, substantiated or found to be true for discourtesy and abuse of authority. The NYPD did not discipline Kinsey on the first count, but did on the second. So what do you have here? You have an officer with a problematic past of abusing his authority. He has been convicted by the Citizens Review Board of abusing his authority. The city decided to keep this liability rather than do something about it. Now this cop will likely cost The city money. You see, once again, they're okay with defunding the police as long as the police are doing the defunding. Very interesting. Betsy Smith, the spokeswoman for the National Police Association, said about the incident the outrage in this case should be directed at Miss Crum for trying to stop the arrest of a dangerous gun criminal. And law enforcement officers in New York and elsewhere are finding themselves the victims of continual and unnecessary assaults in many cities. Often with no consequences for the offenders. You know who received no consequence, Madam? The cop who did the assault, that's on the record. On the record, he has received no consequence as of now. He did not receive consequence. When charges against them from the Citizens Review Board were actually found to be true. And you're saying that people are the problem. Interesting. Let's put up the commanding officer of the 32nd Precinct here. That is Inspector Amir Yakatali. He is the guy in charge of that division. All right. Um, This is why we need strong citizen review boards. I have advocated for this for many years. We have one in the city of Atlanta, I have worked, I have fought, I have advocated to make it stronger. And I'm encouraging you, whatever city you live in, make sure your city has a citizens review board that has what's called subpoena power. That subpoena power is is the only thing that can mandate a cop to actually come before their board. Now, while the citizens review board, they cannot be um, as proactive in certain jurisdictions. For example, this particular review board has the authority to make recommendations, but they did not have the authority to uh, affect actual discipline against the cop or fire the cop. Okay, but we at least have the record preserved because when this goes to court, and I'm sure it will, when this goes to court, possibly that record can become part of either the settlement negotiations or the trial itself. Ben, thoughts here?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on in that video without like more in-depth details, but it appears as though you have like half a dozen cops that are trying to um, arrest what looks like one guy, and it seemed like she was just trying to talk to him, right? It didn't even seem like she was going in or like, you know, obviously the camera cuts out for a second, but it didn't seem like she was actively like interfering so much as she was like just trying to communicate with the person who's in the process of being arrested. And the reason why I bring this up is because we're starting to see this increase across the country. We're starting to see more people that are bringing out phones, more people that are actively interrogating the police as they're going through arrests, especially when they're in large groups like this. And the police are obviously frustrated by this. And we've also seen police respond to this with violence, but we have to ask ourselves, why are people doing this? Why are people interrogating the police? Why are people filming the police? Well, it's because of the behaviors of the police. And I know a lot of right wingers like to talk about personal responsibility. But the reality is if police departments are behaving more like a military occupational force than they are acting like a peace force to actually like you know, make sure we have safe neighborhoods, well then, this type of thing is the natural consequence of their own actions. If police officers don't want more people interrogating their business while they're going about their day at work being a police officer, well then maybe perhaps they should think about their actions and the way that they are behaving towards the community.
0: Well said, and let me remind everyone excessive force does not mean there should not have been police interaction. Excessive force simply means Even if police interaction was warranted, the combat or the physical action the cop used was too excessive for the threat or lack thereof in front of him or her. That's what excessive force is. and That's exactly what I believe this is. All right, one of the saddest stories I've ever seen. 70 girls preyed upon at a juvenile camp by employees for years. We're going to expose them all. Let's put up the picture of this probation department. At least 70 girls incarcerated in Los Angeles County juvenile camps and detention facilities were sexually assaulted by probation and detention officers with the abuse spanning more than three decades, according to newly expanded litigation filed on Thursday. The allegations follow a similar lawsuit filed in March where 20 women said they were sexually assaulted over the course of a dozen years at Camp Joseph Scott. LA County's all girls juvenile detention facility. The two new lawsuits filed in LA County Superior Court replaced that case and expands. The accusations, we're gonna get into that. The alleged abuse occurred from 1985 to 2019 at Camp Scott, Camp Kenyon, Scooter, Camp Challenger, the Dorothy Kirby Center, Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall, Central Juvenile Hall and other locations across LA County. In some instances, The same abusers found new victims as different girls entered the facilities over the years according to the lawsuits. One deputy probation officer is accused by more than a dozen women of sexually abusing them when they were incarcerated minors. He is one of four officers accused of assaulting multiple girls. In 2018, a $1 million settlement was approved in a lawsuit involving former Probation Officer Oscar David Cauldron, who was sentenced to one year in county jail in 2017 after pleading guilty to two felony counts of assault under the color of authority for inappropriately touching two girls at the camp. You heard what I said, he only received one year. That's it, for the massive abuse of authority, He received one year. The latest lawsuits, which include 51 victims, younger than 40, and 19 plaintiffs over 40, remember they filed these things later in life, they allege that what began with probation officers watching young girls shower would actually escalate, would actually escalate into sexual acts. Even after the girls left the camps, Many were forced to continue sexual liaisons, often at motels for fear of being returned to juvenile hall, the lawsuit states. In one case, a deputy probation officer is accused of impregnating a teen according to court documents. In some cases, despite prior allegations and investigations, some of the officers were able to remain in position of authority and trust. And what did they do? They found new victims, according to the lawsuit. The county juvenile custody facilities, they have come under heavy scrutiny. Despite a corrections board deciding in November, the halls were suitable to house youth. In 2020, county officials approved the eventual dismantling of the county's juvenile probation system in favor of a new agency that will focus on emotional support, counseling and treatment. Federal monitoring of the facilities ended in 2015. Let me take you to January 2021. The county reached a settlement with the California Attorney General's Office to improve conditions at juvenile facilities after state probe found that detention officers unnecessarily used pepper spray, confined minors in cells for long periods of time, forcing them to urinate in milk cartons and preventing them from receiving medical care and attending classes. Uh, This is called torture, sexual assault, molestation, false imprisonment. Ironic, they're incarcerated, but still being falsely imprisoned. Physically abused, mentally abused. Here's why stories like this should get you angry. It was known. It was known. This did not get exposed because of a lawsuit. It was known to permeate in the culture. They did not start trying to create remedy for this until it became an embarrassment to that system. To the probation officers and to the detention workers who engaged in this kind of activity. It is my prayer. It is my hope that you receive the most severe punishment the law will allow. To seek positions of public trust, you had a great opportunity to help them. I work with juveniles in the state of Georgia, I was one myself, I was a juvenile delinquent. That's such a sacred opportunity to connect with a young mind who needs guidance because they already are typically in poverty, maybe they lack guidance at home. Many of them are foster children like I was, and you violated them even further. We're gonna stay on this story to see exactly how this lawsuit shapes up. How it turns out to the victims of these monsters, I prayers are with you. I pray that you have the best life possible and I pray that justice is done quickly. Ben thoughts here. Yeah, I mean there's so many
2: layers to this, but like first and foremost, this is why this is why I encourage everybody that I know to engage with like abolitionist literature cuz even if you don't like even if you wouldn't consider yourself a prison abolitionist, the reality is that this is the norm, right? This is the norm. What's not normal about this is the fact that there is actually a lawsuit about it. What is not normal about this is the fact that there's even a mild degree of accountability, which is nowhere near what it's supposed to be. And the reality is, is what people need to understand about the prison system in the United States of America, is it was largely designed by and for slaveholders who wanted to use a loophole in the 13th amendment to keep slavery around. That is what the design, the core of our prison system is in the United States. And it's why we have the highest incarceration rate. And When you're talking about then children, right? Sexual abuse within prisons is so, so common. Our prisons are basically torture factories. And it is due to the very nature of the system, the way that we design these prisons, the way that we intentionally isolate people from community. We make people pay, for phone calls. We make people pay for phone calls by the minute. When was the last time like anybody paid for phone calls by the minute in the United States of America, much less the ridiculous rates that we force these people to pay. It's very hard often for defense attorneys to even get into prisons to talk to people. It's very hard for any type of oversight authority to talk to these people. Because we give a ridiculous amount of power to the, the wardens and the, the prison guards and basically no accountability, no accountability for those folks. And this is just a reality and that's why like abolitionists will say, and I (laughs) agree with them that the whole system is guilty. The whole entire system is guilty and fundamentally, It's not enough to hold individuals accountable for acts like this. That we need to fundamentally challenge the entire system and structure at its core. And question the notion of the idea that punishing people, especially children, is the right approach to criminal justice. Because if we want to live in a peaceful society, if we want to live in a safe society, we need to live in a world where violence is unthinkable. And our prison system today is designed around inflicting violence against people who have been found guilty of crimes and very often people unjustly incorrectly found guilty of crimes.
0: I concur um, and I often tell my college students when you go out into the world, don't think to fix the criminal justice system because it's working the way it's supposed to work. You have to think to break it. Your job is to work contrary to it, to be a remedy, to be a solution, to be a reformer. All right, we got more on the other side. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read um, some of these comments. Got great comments. Don't forget Unbossed with Nina Turner, Senator Nina Turner. That's coming October seventeenth. Make sure, make sure you tune in for the premiere of that show, October seventeenth, four p.m. Eastern time, one p.m. Pacific time. You can subscribe right now, YouTube.com forward slash Unbossed TYT. Read some of these amazing comments. Um, tall glass of shadow Juice says, guaranteed. That cop knocks his wife around like that too, POS, wow. Yeah, Sana Hayes, I love the show, but I especially love it when Ben is on, so do I. All right, big ups to Ben, always always bringing the knowledge. And Jax Drax, I'm sure there are more victims who didn't come forward too. Too many monsters go for jobs which give them authority that they can use to abuse freely. Never. That's correct, and remember, multiple. I mean, we're talking about multiple individuals engaged in this kind of criminality against children because they knew what jobs to seek, okay? They became their own community of monsters. All right, really interesting, very sad. A Texas cop found not guilty for negligent homicide. Here's the video Then I'm gonna explain what
4: happened. Hello,
3: are you okay? Is that your dog? Can you get, get back. 243 shots fired.
4: Ma'am, get a hold of your dog.
0: He said, ma'am, get a hold of your dog. He has shot the woman. He shot the dog's owner, put up his picture. This Texas cop has been found not guilty for negligent homicide. What I saw was negligent homicide for sure, at least negligent homicide. He recklessly attempted to shoot the dog and shot the owner. I'm gonna give you background to all of this former officer Robbie Singh shot 30 year old Maggie Brooks to death during a welfare check in August 2019. I want you to think about this for a moment. During a welfare check, he ends up killing the young lady. Arlington Police Department official killed that young lady. Tarrant County jail is where he was initially incarcerated. That's the mugshot. Uh, Tarrant County jury found this cop not guilty of criminally negligent homicide. Brooks father, his name is Troy. Let's put up Maggie Brooks, let's put a picture up, okay? Her father, Troy, told CBS 11, he doesn't know how anyone could come to that decision, saying in a quote, There's nobody that owns a gun that would ever take that shot ever. But if you're a police officer, you're covered in absolute immunity. You can do whatever you want and there are no repercussions for you. Now, I want you to be reminded of something because I know some are going to say, especially those that support law enforcement no matter what. Well, he made a mistake. He was in fear of his life. It was an unfortunate tragedy. That's why he was charged with negligent homicide. Because intent is not required in negligent homicide. That means that you did something that was so reckless that you knew when you did it, it possibly could have this impact on somebody else. That's all it takes, doesn't take intent to murder. He was charged with negligent homicide and found not guilty. I'm going to expose what the DA said about this. Um, Let's put up Miss Brooks picture again. The woman that he killed is Maggie Brooks. She was a mother of three. She was actually possibly homeless at the time of this killing. She was often seen walking with her boyfriend and her dog. A lab mix who weighed about 40 pounds. Brooks family have now filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against the former officer, they're seeking 2 million in damages. Seeing the cop was just a month on the job in 2019. Just a month on the job in 2019 when he responded to a call to check on a woman sleeping behind a shopping center. When he found her, her dog charged at him and he fired his gun. The bullet ricocheted and hit Brooks in the chest. In the cop's defense, he was trying to help when he faced a threat from the dog. And it was a tragic accident. An expert witness for the state pointed out that the cop knew there was someone in the direction he was pointing his gun, but he fired anyway, ignoring his training and ignoring basic firearm safety. Now remember, who testified? An expert from the state said what this cop did was reckless. What this cop did violated his own training and what this cop did violated the basics of firearm safety standards. The steel found not guilty. In November 2019, amid an administrative investigation, the cop decided to resign from the department. And in September 2020, a county grand jury indicted him for negligent homicide. Let's go to the DA, the district attorney. Her name is Sharon Wilson, the DA's office released a statement. Now, before I go to the statement, there are some things you're not going to hear. You're not going to hear that this is an unfortunate conclusion of the jury. You're not going to hear the jury got it wrong. Here's what the DA's office said. A jury heard the facts related to the death of Miss Brooks in 2019. They evaluated the testimony and evidence and determined. That the cop was not guilty. By doing so, the jury fulfilled their duty in the criminal justice system, as did we. That's it. That's all. As I've said before, reform in policing is not just for black folk, is not just for brown folk, it's for all of us because we're all in this together. And the sooner we realize that we are all in this together, the quicker we can absolutely create remedy and reform and also replacement when necessary. But as long as we believe that somehow these things will never happen to us, that while that's tragic, that'll never happen to my family or me, as long as we continue to hold that ideology as the sentiment goes, when they knock on your neighbor's door and you say nothing. Who's going to speak up when they knock on yours, Ben, thoughts here?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's really a million layers to this. First and foremost, obviously being homeless, right? Like she's not seen as this perfect victim. And that's a big problem in our society. And then there's just this reality uh, that is that juries are very reluctant to condemn police, especially when they know what the conditions are in our prison system, which maybe perhaps is a good reason to change our prison system Mm -hmm. at its core so that maybe juries will be a lot less likely to let police officers like this off.
0: We got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. Horrible stories, school principals and administrators have all been criminally charged. Why? Because they allowed a predator teacher to continue to abuse minors in their school. Let's put up his picture full mass. I'm taking you to a place called Plymouth, Connecticut. Three school principals and one teacher each face criminal charges after allegedly failing to report to proper authority student and parent sexual abuse complaints about another elementary school teacher. One time fourth grade teacher, James Eskert, 51 years of age, was charged in January with five counts of risk of injury to a child. All felonies by the way, and two counts of fourth degree sexual assault. Those were misdemeanors. So let's talk about this person and the enablers around him, court records. Suggest defense dates of 2016, 2017, and 2019 for this teacher's alleged in class conduct. A detailed affidavit alleges that he recommended or selected certain girls to join his fourth grade class and then allegedly allowed a list of favorites to remain in his classroom during recess. He then allegedly gave those girls and uh, an answers to test questions. The teacher then allegedly touched a thigh and an arm and is accused of bouncing several of the girls on his lap in a humping motion. According to court records, several of the accusers reported uh, that this teacher became erect in their presence, among other things. The teacher also took sexualized photos of the girls while they were in school. A camera recovered by the authorities is said to have revealed 26 inappropriate images. Two of the pictures allegedly showed a close up of a female students growing area while she was performing a cartwheel. Three images were taken from ground level and showed female students seated in a manner which exposed their growing and underwear. That's in the affidavit. Let's put up the other educators here, okay? Four other educators were arrested this month in connection with the case. The school's most recent principal Sherry Turner, retired principal Kristen Collins. One time acting principal, second grade teacher Melissa Morelli and Rebecca Holleran, math interventionist are all charged with failing to report the abuse, neglect or injury to a child or the imminent risk of serious harm to a child. Or in other words, the police said they swept it under the rug. See, while many conservatives will tell you that the real problem in K through 12 education is critical race theory, which isn't even taught. Or it's wokeness, which is insanity, right? Woke is a good thing, it means you're not asleep. They won't tackle real predators and monsters like this. You see, to me, those who enabled this are just as guilty as the man who did it. Ben thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I mean to tie it in what you're saying, like one of the things that Republicans always get super, super angry about is any notion of teaching like kids in school notions of consent, right? They 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 seem to get like deeply outraged at even just like the most entry level stuff. So that like kids know how to communicate this stuff to like their parents and stuff. And you wonder why? Well, it's things like this and the fact that there were like so many administrators and like other teachers that weren't speaking up about this. Like everything about this. I mean, fourth grade. Fourth. What, what are you eight years old in fourth grade? Like you. Like I. I. I I, this is just like, I mean, there are really no words. There are really, yeah. really no words because everything about this is just like deeply, deeply shocking and just like speaks to a whole working culture that is just, I mean, downright evil, like seriously what's going on at that school.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's extreme and I want to remind everyone that it was a policy movement in this country to get rid of classes that taught kids the difference between good touch, bad touch, appropriate, inappropriate. Republicans said that that was too that was too age inappropriate to teach a child good touch, bad touch. Well, we wouldn't have to if we didn't have monsters like this inside of our school system. A man posing as a traffic cop puts a parking boot on an actual cop car. Here's how that worked out. to be happy. Yeah, let's go ahead and put him up full mass here. All right, this guy is known to prank actual cops. So he dressed up as a cop and he pranked a cop. Yes, this is not in America. If he did it in America, he would be shot dead. This was in the UK. Uh, This prank was done by a man known as Daniel Jarvis. He's responsible for the prank. He has pulled this prank on multiple UK cops. Typically at the end of it, they laugh, he laughs, he posts a video. Done deal, it was actually quite entertaining. All right, Ben, thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I guess like, I mean, hey, this is a big problem in the United States. Like literally, especially Minneapolis cops where I'm at, they'll park on the sidewalks, they'll park in disability spots. They'll park They'll park wherever they feel like they don't care about the law, they don't care about the rules. Um. So, but with that, I will say that it's okay to acknowledge that something is deeply hilarious, but also a bad idea, right? Like yeah. like <laughs> never try uh,
0: in America in particular. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like this is the last thing I would do in the United States of America because yeah, you're right, like you would end up like police officers are very prone to violence and it would be not a great idea to do this here.
0: Absolutely, Ben, always a pleasure having you on the program. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is
4: always indisputable.